This lesson is called Biblical Ways to Receive Healing. If God really wants us healed, and I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt He does, and wants God, uh, He wants everybody healed, and sickness has no part or parcel in His plan for our life. It wasn't in the garden. It won't be in heaven. Why would it be anywhere in between? Uh, it wasn't anywhere near Jesus, except when it was being left and or being driven out and leaving His presence. Why? Why would He, you know, revert and go backwards? and all of a sudden start using sickness as a teaching tool. That, that doesn't make any sense. What we're going to look at today, though, is biblical ways to receive healing. And I think we'll see some neat things with this. One of the things I, I, I want to bring out is the fact that there, because we can see, four, I think, four or five different ways to receive healing, it shows you that God wants us healed, that He wants us healed so bad He's provided many different avenues. There isn't just one way to get healing. There's several different avenues to receive healing. God's desire for us to be healed is evident by the fact that He has provided several ways for us to receive healing for our bodies. Our bodies belong to Him and He wants them healed. He designed our bodies and any sickness or disease is an attack on the blueprint of God's creation. We have covered that over and over again. I, that's one of the, I think, the stronger revelations or understandings that I have about our body is that it's designed. It's fearfully, wonderfully made. Everything works perfectly either from the way your food is digested to getting nutrients out of it to the way the blood takes those nutrients into the uttermost extremities of your body to how a lack of food affects the way you think, it affects the way you perform, how something as simple of water and osmosis works in and out of cellular tissue and activity. This thing is designed. It isn't just a bunch of primordial soup evolving. That's insanity. We're designed and we belong to God. We are His tent and tabernacle. And he wants this tent taken care of. I always like to use the example, uh, you know, you saying that God will put sickness on you to teach you something is like saying, well, God will go and, and uh, graffiti the tabernacle and tear it. Under the old covenant, you didn't graffiti the tabernacle. You didn't, you didn't tear it. You didn't throw rocks at it. You didn't break it. If you thought wrong in the Holy of Holies, you dropped dead. So now we're his temple. We're his tabernacle. And for some reason, we think God's into graffiti and destruction and vandalism. But it's just dumb Christianity. So the first Bible way to receive healing is through the laying on of hands. The Bible teaches us that we are to lay hands on the sick. The reason this works is because the power of God is transferred when hands are placed upon someone in need. This is so powerful a biblical truth that there is even a doctrine of laying on of hands in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Uh, I was reading a story years ago about POWs held by the Japanese, American POWs. And one of the men was talking about there was a, a, um, a Dutch soldier, because World War II was the Allied forces. You had a lot of the European. And so there was a Dutch soldier that was a POW with him. The Dutch, of course, had a strong population or presence in the Dutch West Indies, which is all out there in, among the islands where World War II was fought. And so this man, he was a Dutch man, he was a Dutch military man, he was a, a, a doctor, and he was a POW, so he cared for the POWs while the Japanese were torturing them. And uh, they said that there was a Hispanic man uh, who was an American, and he was beaten so badly by the Japanese, he was paralyzed from the waist down, so he couldn't work. So the Japanese allowed this Dutch man to care for him. Well, the Dutch man... He wasn't, I, think, I don't know if he was a Christian or not. I can't remember that part of the story. But he saw some of the Americans taking their New Testaments and using the papers as rolling paper for cigarettes. 
So he quickly grabbed one and he read through the Bible and that's how he taught himself English, was reading through a Gideon New Testament. Well, somewhere in there, he got doctrine. And they said over a month period, this Dutch doctor, he would give this Hispanic American hot baths and massage him and lay hands on him. And he said at the end of that month, that Dutch doctor was fluent in Spanish and the Mexican could walk. And the, the man, the, the POW who was relating the story said, I, I believe in the laying on of hands, but only that man's hands. But this worked back in World War II with the man who learned to read English from the Gideon New Testament and a man who was beaten to paralysis by the Japanese received his healing in the bush of Bataan or, you know, someplace over in the Philippines. We don't know. I don't know where it was at. But that's a pretty cool story. And that, that American man said, I, only, I believe in the laying on of hands, but only that man's hands because he saw it work. So praise God for that. But there is a doctrine of laying on of hands. I don't understand why the New Testament says specifically there is a doctrine of laying on of hands and most churches don't. You know, the most, the best they'll do is, you know, a bunch of men get together at a men's prayer group and they'll put a hand on the shoulder. Of course, they do that on the football field too. It's called a huddle. So I don't know if they really know what they're doing or not. Jesus laid hands on people and they were healed. You have a whole bunch of scriptures there that are exact, precise examples of Jesus laying hands on people and the anointing of God being transferred from His body to their body. Now, every time Jesus healed somebody, it wasn't always through the laying on of hands. Sometimes He would speak the Word. Sometimes power would just proceed forth out of His body, and that's how they got healed. But those scriptures there are specific scriptures where it says Jesus specifically touched them or laid hands on them, and they were healed. The early church laid hands on the sick, and they were healed. Acts 3, 1 through 7, and chapter 9, 17 and 18. So we know the early church laid hands on people. And again, the reason this works is because the transfer of the anointing. It's almost like water. It pours from a high potential to a low potential. Electricity, high potential to a low potential. The anointing flows from the high potential, whoever's really anointed, to the low potential, whoever has need of it. That's why the woman with the issue of blood, she was able to touch Jesus. He didn't even know it. He had the high potential, if you understand the chemistry, mathematical, science terms I'm using here. He had the high potential. She needed it, and she pulled it out of him. He felt it leave him, didn't even know what it, who, who had touched him. He knew what happened. But he said, who touched me? He didn't know if it was a male. He didn't know if it was a woman. And even the disciples said, Lord, there's a whole bunch of folks touching you, and you're asking who's touching you? He said, no, I perceive virtue went forth out of my being. And the woman, knowing what was done in her, became fearful. And she fell at his feet and said, Lord, it was me. And he said, woman, be of good cheer. Thy faith had made thee whole. The reason laying on of hands works is because the anointing of God, the power of God, the yoke-destroying power of God is transferred. And we've all experienced that. Thank God for it. But this is just one of the ways we can receive healing through the laying on of hands. Now believers are commanded to lay hands on the sick and the Bible promises and the sick will recover. That's a New Testament promise to the church. Not Old Covenant, not just Jesus, not just the apostles of the Lamb. Because there were a lot more apostles in the book of Acts than just the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And P, uh, Paul goes on to talk about more apostles in his uh, epistles, if you know how to look for it. The New Testament believers are commanded to lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And James 5 even says, if there be anybody sick, let him call for the elders of the church to come and lay hands on him, anoint him with oil and prayer of faith, shall save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. 
And if they committed any trespasses, they shall be forgiven them. So this is a New Testament thing. It should be noted that hands don't heal anybody, but the anointing of God flowing through hands is what destroys the yoke of sickness and disease. Brother Hagen had an expression. He said, many churches, it's just empty hands on empty heads. And I've experienced that just even as a pastor. Uh, when we were in uh, one country preaching, the, the pastor said, all right, our guest is going to lay hands on everybody who needs healing. Well, I got done with preaching and he said, go ahead, lay hands on people. And I had nothing. There was no tangible anointing. And at that point, it becomes the prayer of faith. There was no anointing present. There was no healing anointing. There was no transfer of anointing. There was no high potential on me. That, at that point, even though we're still doing James chapter 5, we are praying in faith. Father, by faith, according to your word, we call your people healed. Because I felt nothing. I don't know if they felt anything. I thought, boy, we're just like kicking around gravel here is all we're doing. So we had to resort to just sheer faith because we didn't have a tangible anointing. But it still helps to preach as I taught in our, heal, our prayer curriculum. The prayer of faith, when it's really in faith, many times it will manifest the anointing of God. You can just start talking about healing and the anointing will manifest. You just start talking about the power of God, it'll manifest. You start talking about how people can get healed and the power of God will manifest. And whereas two minutes before that, those were empty hands, now by praying truly in faith, you can get the anointing to manifest by faith. And now they're no longer empty hands. They're full hands of power laying hands on people. Lots of times, it's even cool. It's happened to me a few times. Some ministers declare that they can tell when the healing anointing is on them because their hands burn or their hands tingle. That doesn't necessarily happen for me. I can just tell by the anointing when it falls. I recognize the flavor of it. That's a healing anointing. Just like I can recognize uh, the smell of a pizza place. I can recognize the smell of barbecue. I can recognize the smell of certain colognes and certain perfumes. I can recognize the flavor of the healing anointing. And I say, well, that's the healing anointing. I know what we need to do now. We're just going to lay hands on folks. But there's been one or two services as of late that when the power of God, the healing anointing, did fall and manifest, my hands began to tingle and burn heavily. Not like hot coals, but they, they were different. And so that's a cool thing, too. So that's one of our biblical ways to receive healing, the laying on of hands. The next one we want to look at is the gift of the Spirit called gifts of healing. And uh, if you haven't covered it in our New Believers class, there is a difference between working of miracles and gifts of healings. Gifts of healings is healings, working of miracles and miracles. And technically speaking, when somebody gets out of a wheelchair, though we call it a miracle, technically speaking, it's a healing. Miracles are a totally different category of the supernatural. Somebody receives their eyesight. That's tech, we call it a miracle. Technically, it's a healing. Miracles are walking on water, water into wine, you're killing a lion with your bare hands, donkey jawbone killing 10,000. Samson operated in miracles a lot. He didn't operate in healings. The prophet smiting the waters with his cloak, that's a miracle. That's working of miracles. Gifts of healings is totally different. So even though, hey, I got new legs, hey, I got my arm grew out, even though we call that a miracle, biblically speaking, it's a gift of healing. Because healings are healings and miracles are miracles. The Holy Ghost isn't redundant here. But that's in our New Believers curriculum. You can get it if you want to. So let's look at gifts of healing. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is gifts of healings. This is a gift or really manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the realm of sickness and disease with the sole purpose of eliminating the ailment. 
Notice this is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the realm of sickness and disease with the sole purpose of eliminating the ailment. There is a separate and this is a separate and distinct from the working of miracles. It does not include any form of medical science. We might jokingly call medical science the gift of doctors. So the gifts of healings is the manifestation of a gift of the Spirit or as a manifestation of the Spirit in the realm of sickness and disease. There are nine gifts of the Spirit or what we can call uh, manifestations of the Spirit because that's what Paul calls them. Paul never calls them a gift of the Spirit. That's just church lingo. There are nine manifestations of the Spirit because the Bible says for the manifestation of the Spirit is given. It doesn't say for the gift of the Spirit. And the only word, place gift is used is about verse 3 or 4. And it's not used to describe the nine, quote, gifts. They're technically manifestations. Because if we think that they're gifts, then we think that we always have them and we can turn them on and off at any point. But that's not how it works. They manifest as He wills, not as we will. And it's important to understand the difference, though we'll always call them gifts of the Spirit. Technically and biblically speaking, they are manifestations. They manifest as He wants. They go away as He wants. If I give you a gift, it's yours anytime you want it. In fact, the Greek word used in that passage is charisma, which just means grace deposit, but it's translated gift. So the gift of healings, or gifts, plural, of healings, plural, this is a manifestation, or the Greek says an exhibition, a demonstration of the Spirit in the realm of sickness and disease. Joshua. Can those be um, stirred up by faith, like you were saying with you can pray them out, but you cannot stir them up. No, no, you can't because the Bible says they manifest severally as He wills. Now, you, you can get offices to manifest when you set the atmosphere, but I, I can't turn them on and I can't turn them off. It's just not biblical. There's times when Jesus is moved by compassion and healed people, and there's times where people pulled it out of Him, and there's times it was just the move of God. We, we could honestly say to some degree the manifestations of the Spirit are sovereign moves of God. Two Wednesdays ago when we had a healing service and we had a healing manifestation, I didn't turn that on. I was ready to teach on appetites and desires, but we mentioned Sarah's mother having a stroke and the healing anointing fell just by mentioning it. I, I, you know, I didn't plan it. I didn't pray it. I didn't faith it up. I didn't fast it up. It just happened. Yes, sir. As a minister, can you focus in your, in your heart to, to say, we're going to have a, a healing service, Lord, to, to the anointing? Yeah, you know, and, and that's another avenue of healing in that you teach on it, and whatever you talk about is what you'll have, because the signs follow the Word, and the Holy Spirit works with and confirms the Word. So you can teach and teach and teach on healing, and you build faith in the hearts of the people, and you can have a healing anointing, but it doesn't necessarily mean gifts of the Spirit are present. You follow? Gifts of the Spirit are gifts of the Spirit. You can have a good healing anointing, but that doesn't mean you have gifts of healings. Because that is a separate and distinct thing that will come upon you. Just like we can talk about prophecy, talk about prophecy. We'll probably have a prophecy, but even if we don't, we still taught you. But when it comes on you, it comes on you. And we can talk about special faith and talk about special faith. And it may come on you, but if it doesn't, we have still taught you about special faith. What we do when we talk about gifts of the Spirit, we build your faith for the gifts. But that doesn't mean they're going to activate. If we talk about the Holy Ghost, talk about the Holy Ghost, you'll receive the Holy Ghost. We talk about healing, talk about healing, you'll get faith, you'll receive healing. So we, we cannot 
move the Spirit of God to manifest gifts. It says they manifest as He wills. Now, we can will to have a healing service and teach on healing and then lay hands in faith. And there might even be a pretty good anointing there. And so there's so many different nuances. And what, what we're seeing is the Lord is providing so many avenues for healing because He wants us healed. You know, honestly, if, if healing was just going to be a sovereign act of God, we just have to sit around and wait our time. Wait for Him to shoot us with it. Maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. But as we're seeing from this lesson, we're already on the second of four ways to get healed. Because God wants you to have it. He's provided several avenues. Just like you as a parent or you as a leader might say, I've given them several opportunities to get it right. I've given them chance after chance after chance because I want them to get it right. When you don't want somebody to give it right or get it right, you don't give them a bunch of opportunities. They fail once, you shoot them, you fire them, you let them go. You set them up to fail. Uh, that's the only excuse I needed. You're done. But when someone loves you, they'll give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. A teacher, when they're very merciful, they'll give you bonus points and bonus quizzes and they'll give you opportunity to, to make things right. And God so loves us, He gives us so many opportunities to receive healing, so many different avenues. The prayer of faith, laying on of hands, gifts of healings, and we'll see other stuff here too. So with this gifts of healing... Says this is the manifestation of the Spirit in the realm of sickness and disease with the sole purpose of eliminating the ailment. This is separate and distinct from the working of miracles, and it does not include any form of medical science. We might jokingly call, the, uh, call that the gifts of doctors. Now, to go back and answer that question again, is that you can set your faith and pray for the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, Bob Yandy and I want to say even Pastor John Osteen, they used to always pray, Father, may every gift of the Spirit be in operation. And you pray it because the Bible says to covet earnestly the gifts or the best gifts. Yet I'll show you a more excellent way. But he, said, he even says earnestly, but covet that you may prophesy that the whole church may be edified. So we are to desire them. We are to covet them. We're to pray for them. But we cannot turn them on or off. We cannot force things. When you start forcing things, and as I have taught the ministers, you can fake all nine gifts of the Spirit. You can fake prophecy, you can fake word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you can fake tongues, you can fake interpretation of tongues, you can fake healings, you can fake special faith. Oh, special faith just came on me. What I'm about to declare will come to pass. And you just faked it, and everybody got excited, and you went away a liar and a heretic. So we don't want to fake anything. If, they, if it manifests, praise God. If not, hey, we still had the word, we still worshiped out of our hearts. Hey, no problem. The thing is, we walk by faith. When the Holy Ghost hooks up with us, we walk a little faster. When the Holy Ghost is not hooked up with us, we still walk by faith. When the Holy Ghost really hooks up with us, we more like run. When He lifts off of us, we're back to walking by faith. Where the charismatic church has been wounded and injured and lame is that we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to do everything. We want to live in the Holy Spirit. And if He's not moving or saying or doing anything, we go back to being carnal rather than taking a little bit of ground at a time by faith, by the Word, by prayer, by raw faith, by faithfulness, by attendance, by giving, by evangelism. This is how you stir things up. The only catch is that the gifts of the Spirit are not always present. Luke 5, 17 says, And the, the, the Lord was there with a bunch of Pharisees, and the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord was present to heal them. That's what Luke 5, 17 says. So there you have a gift of healing present, but it doesn't say they healed anybody. 
fact, chapter 6 starts, and that's when the man comes let down through the roof. He's the only man that got healed that day. The house was packed, a bunch of Pharisees present, people outside. Only one man got healed, but the Spirit of the Lord was present to heal them. We could understand all, but only one did. But the problem is this, the gifts of the Spirit are not always manifested. You know, we may go two or three services and not have a gift manifested. That's all right. We might go four services in a row and all sorts of gifts are manifested. One, 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 right after another. Thank God for it. The only catch is that the gifts of the Spirit are not always present. They cannot be turned on or off at our will or whim. The gifts of the Spirit only manifest as He wills. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. In fact, just to help our understanding a little bit better, again, though we call it a gift of the Spirit, it is not a gift. It's a manifestation. Now, we could argue anything from God is a gift. So in that regard, they are gifts. But if we think that we can have them as a gift, like Ginger has a musical gift, well, she can turn that thing on or off anytime she wants to. I might have a poetical gift. I can write poetry. I can turn that on anytime I want to. I might have a... Um, a gift of speaking. You know, any minister has a good speaking gift. We can turn it on or off if we want to. That's why ministers, when they fall and get into adultery, they become salespeople. They can convince folks. They have that gift on them. And they can turn it on or off if they want to. Even when I taught classes in college, I had a gift. Those folks would listen to me. They were enraptured with me, even though I was just teaching them on geology. I had them in the palm of my hand. And it was just the gift of God on my life as a minister and I was just using it to teach geology. It was pretty cool. You know, they liked it and I, I taught them a lot of stuff. But these things are not gifts in that sense. They are manifestations. When I was in college, I knew a guy who had scoliosis really bad. And uh, he was actually believing God for healing. And he had to wear, you know, a back thing. And, and I said, hey, if you want me to, I'll pray for you. God will heal you. He said, well, do you have the gift of healing? And I said, no, I don't. He said, well, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for somebody with the gifts of healing because I know if they'll pray for me, I'll get healed. And I said, it doesn't work that way. No, no, the Bible says they have gifts of healing, so that's what I'm waiting for. Well, fine. You know, stay scoliosis a couple more months or a year till you end up getting in a service. And the thing is, he ran with Christians that didn't believe in the gifts, so he's never going to be in a service where the actual gifts of healings will manifest, so he'll be waiting a long time. Here I was offering to pray for him just by raw faith through the laying on of hands and the prayer of faith. And that's one of our ways to get healing. He's wanting gifts of healing. This is the exact same thing the man in John 5 did, waiting for an angel to come down and trouble the water. And Jesus said, will you be healed? Well, I have no man to put me in the water. I have no man with a gift of healing. See, and that, that, that's, that's goofy. What we ought to do is be in faith constantly. Praying and believing, praying and believing in every prayer line where there's a healing anointing. And one day there might be a gifts of the healings manifested and boom, we get it just like that. But until then, we keep doing what we know to do. Like I've taught on that man in John 5. Why wasn't he crawling a little bit closer every day? I mean, I'd have been living on that pool's edge mm -hmm. and I'd have, been, I'd have been talking to the Lord about it. And here Jesus, his answer is talking to him and he's got all these excuses why he's not going to be healed. And Jesus had a gift of healing that supernaturally manifested and the man got healed. See, when the gifts manifest, you don't have any role to play in it. You just get it. When the gifts manifest, you don't have a role. 
It just is a sovereign move. If gifts of healing are manifest, you're going to get it. Whether you're in doubt and unbelief, we hear all stories, sorts of stories like that. I'm healed. I'm healed. I don't even believe in God. And I, at that point, I always like to, to mention and point out that every person Jesus Christ healed was a non-believer. They weren't born again. Now, they were looking for the Messiah, but there wasn't a single born-again believer Jesus ever healed because He hadn't died for them yet. Everybody He believed, Samaritans, Syrophoenicians, Gentiles, Romans, most of them, a lot of them were outside the covenant. Even the Samaritan, even one of the lepers that came back to worship Jesus was a Samaritan. Jesus healed a Samaritan. Wasn't even born again. So that's one of the differences there. When the gifts of the Spirit or the gifts are in manifestation, you don't have anything to do with it. When prophecy comes forth, did you have anything to do with it? Tongues and interpretation, did you have anything to do with it? It's just a move of God. He just did it, and somebody had to yield to it. Discerning of spirits, did you have anything to do with it? Did you pray in faith to get that? Did you work it up? You just turned around and there's an angel. You just, turned, you just looked at somebody and there's a devil. You just looked at somebody and here comes the Lord Jesus walking in the doors and he's, you're operating and discerning of spirits. You, for like for me in college, I was just rolling the paint roller one day in a stairwell and all of a sudden I rolled the roller up and rolled it down and I was having an open vision. I had nothing to do with it. It was a sovereign move of God. So that kind of distinguishes gifts of the Spirit from healing anointings, though they're both anointings when they do fall. So hopefully we understand that. Everybody clear? A little? All right. We want to look at prayer of faith next. James 5, 14 and 15 says, Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The prayer of faith is prayer made in accordance with God's word concerning a certain need. In the case of sickness, the need is healing. It is called the prayer of faith because there are no tangible changes in the condition or the anointing, nor are any, there are any gifts of the Spirit in operation. It is raw, dry prayer of sheer faith based on God's promises. However, the prayer of faith can and often does activate the power of God and even the gifts of the Spirit. Many, many times, somebody say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Or we'll be in services. Would you come pray for me? Sure. And we go to pray for them. I mean, just because they've requested, I've got nothing. So we come, you know, they called, elders of the church, can you come pray for them? So we go pray for them, and as we're praying for them, the power of God falls. All of a sudden, I got a word of knowledge. I just showed up because they asked me to come. I didn't go on some kind of divine, you know, mission. I was just doing the word by raw faith because somebody called one in prayer. They asked me, could you lay hands on me? And I go over there, and as soon as I start praying for them, all of a sudden, the gifts of the Spirit manifest. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and there's a healing anointing. Wow, cool. That's the prayer of faith. The Bible says, is anybody sick? If you're sick, you're to call for the elders, call for the leaders to come and lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith is what saves you, not even the hands, not even the oil. The prayer of faith. Our faith should never be in the gifts. Our faith, honestly, shouldn't even be in the anointings, even though that is the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, our faith is the Word. Faith comes by the Word. It doesn't come by the anointing. Faith doesn't come by the laying on of hands. Faith doesn't come by a gift of the Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when you stand in faith, there's four, five, six avenues for you to receive your healing. So, you know, our faith is not to be, well, if I can get hands laid on me. Well, you know, thank God for it. And that's what the one with the issue of blood said. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. Our faith needs to be in the Word of God. But when we come down forward, as I teach us, 
Praise God, when hands are laid on me, I receive. But, but that's not going to work if you've not been in faith Monday through Saturday in the Word. Because the anointing acts on what you're doing in your life. In the Word, confessing, praying, believing. You know, that, that's how we as Christians are to get it and to receive it. You know, for most of us, we're so well taught. Uh, if we're not acting on what we know, we're going to be held accountable for it. So we need to be standing in faith on the scriptures. You know, so many folks, they just, they, they almost use a prayer line as like roulette. Maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. Instead of, were you in faith yesterday? Were you in faith this morning? Or are you just hurting bad enough? And God sovereignly moves on folks despite their stupidity and lack of faith, but we know better. So that's the prayer of faith. It, what makes it the prayer of faith is you had no anointing, you had no unction, it's just a need. So you're praying because you found the need and you found a word, you found a scripture that answered that need or somebody requested you to come pray for them. So you've got to go in faith. But often the prayer of faith does manifest the anointing. It does manifest gifts. It does manifest tangible things. But you started off in a dry and desolate way. Next is personal faith or speaking the word. Here's our fourth way to receive healing. Personal faith or speaking the word. Christians are called to live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4. We do not walk by sight. What we see often contradicts the word. The world proffers facts. That means they offer up for your acceptance. But the word declares truth. The fact may be you're sick in your body. But the truth is by his stripes you were healed. Do not make the world's facts your truth. We do not deny the facts. We just magnify truth. The world proffers up facts, but the word declares truth. The Bible teaches us to take authority over things that don't line up with the word of God and enforce the will of God on the earth. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Matthew 6, 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth like in heaven. So right there, Jesus is teaching us to enforce the will of God. We're to pray the will of God be done on earth like it is in heaven. Are there any sick people in heaven? No. Any paralysis in heaven? No. Any demonic possession in heaven? No. Any dementia, palsy, weirdness? No. We're to take the will of God in heaven and make it work here in the earth. That's what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. First thing He says out of the gate, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We're to pray the will of God be done. Our authority in the earth comes directly from Jesus Christ Himself. He has authorized us to occupy and work the works of the Father until He comes again. Faith speaks to mountains and fig trees and sycamine trees and sickness. Mark eleven twenty three twenty four. 24. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that, that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Our faith speaks to everything. So one of the ways we can receive healing, if there's not a prayer line, if there's not a healing anointing, if there's not a, a gift of the Spirit, if there's not someone to agree with us, we can just speak to it ourselves. Just speak the Word. That's one way Jesus healed a lot of sickness. Even the centurion, a Gentile, didn't know God. said, Lord, only speak the word. My servant will be healed. Actually, the neat thing is 
when the servant, uh, the centurion came to him, Jesus, my servant is at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. The very first thing Jesus said is, I will come and heal him. I like that. I, he didn't say, well, does he deserve it? Is he learning anything? How faithful is he? What's he done? How do you feel about him? First thing Jesus says is, I will come and heal him. And the, servant, the centurion says, no, nay, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. But I am a man under authority, having men under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and this coming, he cometh, and to this one do, and he doeth it. And Jesus says, wow, I have not found so great faith. What's so great faith? That you speak and it comes to pass. You speak and it obeys you. So you can receive healing in your body by speaking to symptoms, by speaking to abnormalities, by cursing lumps, cursing tumors, cursing veins, cursing bad eyesight. You can command things to line up. Anything that's out of line, we're to bring it into subjection. Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, they teach us that we've been given dominion over the whole earth and every creeping thing and anything that's in the earth, we were given dominion over it. That means we're to dominate. So that's one of the ways we can have healing in our body is by speaking to it. And really, this ought to be the baseline of our Christianity. This is what we're doing every day. Father, I thank you that I'm the healed of God. I thank you that my legs are healed. I thank you that my muscles are healed. I thank you that my eyesight's healed. Whatever it is you have need of, you're speaking to it. And that keeps the switch of faith turned on. The just live by faith. We don't visit it from time to time. Faith is not a hobby we do on every other Sunday when we have some time off. Or it's not some instrument we've just learned to take up. and So we play it once or twice a week. Faith is how we live. So we're always speaking. And faith speaks to trees. Mountains, demons, sickness, storms, abnormalities, anything that doesn't line up with the Word, we take the Word of God and we speak it. You know, I think if sickness is in your body, one of the things you got to do is start judging yourself immediately. You know, it's one thing if it's allergies and it's that time of season or this is just a fever, but I, I think like I, my, my testimony of the roommate and I had that deep lung and that, uh, that, head, that chest cold, with that sickness, that was my heart of unbelief and hatred towards my brother in Christ. I think if something continues for a season, something that came upon you un unexpectedly, something that's new, I would be judging my heart. Some things are on us because it's just our biology. You know, I was born with a leg shorter than the other, or, or I was born with this skin condition, or my eyesight that's just genetic. You know, those kinds of things you can almost look over a little bit. We're going to get into love and forgiveness as one way to receive healing. But I think you've got to always be judging yourself. If something comes on you suddenly and you can't shake it, I would be judging myself very quickly. Well, Lord, what have I done? Where's my love walk? How's my heart? How are things working in my life? How come, Lord? Some things, they just take a long time. You know, with those warts on my foot, that took five years. That's just a virus in my system. And it took five years. And you know, over those five years, the Lord was always dealing with me about sin. But in five years, nothing was ever tied to that. Or that, that those warts was never tied to any kind of sin in my life. But, but is, that, is that okay? I mean, could it have come sooner than that? The healing. Oh, I think it should, it should have come sooner than that. But at the same time, I have a testimony of endurance and long-suffering. My faith, my, my doctrine says that when the faith is there, when it connects, it's there. You get it. That, that's what my doctrine says. You don't have to believe that. 
But I believe God is true. Man is the thing that the fuse that always blows out. Man is the, the weak link. And I, I mean, I spent years in faith, years in faith, and my faith was growing and my faith was growing. I was in faith the moment I spoke to it in 1996. I was in faith. But I got serious about it the more it spread, and I got desperate. And a lot of folks that got healed in the Gospels, they were desperate. Some of our stuff we claim we want, eh, I can live without it. And we have kind of a half-hearted sissy faith. You won't ever get it with a half-hearted sissy faith. You've got it, in some degrees, you've got to get desperate. Hannah was before God weeping. Blind Bartimaeus cried all the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he was crying out loud. The whole crowd said, shh, be quiet, be quiet. He cried all the more. And then when Jesus said, bring him here, they said, oh, be of good cheer. The master calleth thee. They're all of a sudden his best friend. They were the very ones trying to shut him down. So, you know, there's certain things you just got to be desperate about. So much of it we just tolerate. Sometimes you've got to get a little nasty, a little put some fight in you. No, I will not endure this. I rebuke this. I resist this. I will not have it in my body. But that's one of the reasons we're teaching this doctrine and this curriculum is because the American church has taught the believers to roll over and take it and be perfected by it. I don't have a single scripture, Genesis to Revelation, that says sickness and disease perfects you. The Word does. Ministers do. The Holy Ghost will help you, but no sickness. We are to speak to sickness and disease. We've been given authority over it. Jesus purchased our healing. We need to enforce it. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So our last one, and boy, we have really just run out of time here. Our last one is walking in forgiveness, or we could say walking in forgiveness and love. This is one way to get healing in your body and to maintain it. As Brother Hagin always said, I've listened to so many tapes of his, I've never seen him alive. I've never heard a minister alive in person. I've seen him live, but he didn't minister. But I've listened to plenty of his tapes and read almost all of his books, I think. He said, I've prayed for the same person a dozen times to get healed of something and they not get healed. But watch that same person make a trip to the phone booth, repent to somebody and come back perfectly healed. Forgiveness and love is key because how can you walk in love with God and be in love with God and hate your brother? It's not going to work. In fact, the scripture we do have there, Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. Love is the key ingredient that makes your faith work. If there's no love in your heart towards someone, then the faith in your heart will be rendered ineffective. Love is like the battery that powers your faith. You love much, much faith. You got a lot of bitterness in you, you're always going to be short-circuited. Sometimes you'll have some lights on, back out. And you got a short somewhere. It's your love walk. That's why it's, it's so vitally important that you as a Christian worship no person through anger, bitterness, resentment, hurt, jealousy, envy, strife, seditions, but that you worship the Lord Jesus only. And you keep people free from you in that you don't tie them to you with your emotions and your hurt and your bitterness. Hold nothing against anybody. Really, only immature baby Christians that still poo-poo and pee-pee down their legs, only they hold animosity against people. That is gross immaturity. You can't forgive. 
Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Here's the thing I've learned. Christians who can't forgive, they don't realize how forgiven they are by Jesus. When you realize how much you've been forgiven of, how dirty and wretched you really are as a pervert and a deviant with a sin nature, when you realize how much Jesus has really forgiven you of, it's easy to forgive anybody of anything because nobody has ever sinned against you the way you've sinned against God because you don't even know all the ways you've sinned against God. And probably the person that hurt you in your little little feelings, they don't realize how bad they've hurt you. And really they only hurt you because you're carnal and immature. So Christians ought to be the best forgivers because they should have the greatest revelation of true forgiveness that they've received freely from God the Father. You know, just likewise, if you freely receive grace, you'll be able to give it. But if you don't have any idea how much grace God gives you and extends to you in your life, you won't be able to cut anybody else any slack or grace. You, you can tell who has a revelation of God and who doesn't by how much they walk in love, how easily they forgive, or how much they hold animosity against people. Christians with a heart harboring, immature, uh, harboring uh, animosity and unforgiveness are very carnal, very immature Christians. Because the basic elementary doctrine of Christianity is love and forgiveness. And our faith works by that very same love. If you're not walking in love, you should stay sick. And that's why I was so sick, because I was not walking in love towards my brother in Christ. That sickness probably came on you because you're unforgiving. You're short-circuiting the grace of God, the love of God. In fact, that's what our next scripture says, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight through 30. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. This passage lets us know that not honoring one another as members of the same body can cause us to be weak, sick, and even die early. I've got some typos in there I need to fix. You cannot fellowship with Jesus and hate your brother at the same time. You cannot fellowship with Jesus and be angry and not forgive at the same time. You cannot fellowship with Jesus and hold animosity and strife and bitterness in your heart. You cannot fellowship with Jesus and be jealous and envious and vainglorious. Because when you come into His presence, He's going to deal with that because that's the thing that's going to stink up His presence. You come into His presence, that thing will be the very thing He deals with first. And if you know it, it'll cause you to stop fellowshipping with Him, the Lord Jesus. Because you know every time you go to Him, He's going to say this, this, and you're going to say, no, 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 no. Before long, you'll backslide. You'll dry up. And you will be consumed and defined by your emotional instability. And how will you get healing when you don't fellowship with Jesus? Next verse, 1 John 3. He that hates his brother is a murderer. And we know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. He that hates his brother is a murderer. How is a murderer going to get healing from Jesus? <laughs> That's why it's so critical to forgive. That first John, John the Revelator, he wrote about love all the time. He was like the lovey, squishy apostle, yet he said some of the most harsh things. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And no murderer has eternal life in him. Basically saying, if you got hate in you, you're not born again. That's harsh. Now, I understand how you can be born again and just be very, 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 very carnally, emotionally immature.
But first John said it. You hate your brother, sister, mom, dad, uncle, nephew, niece, pastor. You have no eternal life in you. You don't even know life. And then we could say, if there's no eternal life in you, how are you going to get healed? You've got to have eternal life working in you to maintain healing. So one of the best ways to get healed if you're sick is to judge yourself. Lord, where is there animosity? Where is there emotional sin in my heart? Where is there no love in my heart? Because my faith works by love, and I need to get this love working in me. Because I need some healing bad. Because I'm dying here. Walking in love and forgiveness is key to maintaining a healthy walk with God as well as in your body. So that concludes this lesson.